It's great to be with you this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Dean, one of the pastors here, and uh, welcome, welcome to True North. And you're here on a great Sunday. Uh, today is what we call uh, Vision Sunday, and it's a chance at the beginning of every year to kind of stop and just say, you know what? Let's just be, let's just reflect, let's just kind of refocus on why we do what we do, on, on kind of where God's taken us, church. So if you're new to church, uh, today's a great day to be here because you get a, a little bit of a snapshot of what we believe God calls the church to be and what it looks like to be part of a church. If you're trying to, if you're someone who's been here for a while, this is a great chance to stop and refocus and say, right, that's, this is why we do what we do. There's nothing worse than doing, doing something and you forget, you know, kind of why you're doing it. So we're going we're gonna to do some, some reflection. When I was a, a kid, I used to like to reflect on, uh, there, were, there was, has anyone ever heard of deep thoughts? The, in the 90s, there was this thing, they were called deep thoughts. And, and like many things I love in life, it was from the 90s. And, and they were kind of these philosophical reflections on life. This guy, Jack Handy, wrote them. It was on Saturday Night Live. And, and so he would write, and I was, I was thinking about one of them in particular. It's just kind of a philosophical reflection on uh, mankind. And, and, he, and he says this, he said, you know, maybe in order to understand mankind, we have to look at the word itself. Uh, basically, it's made up of two separate words, mank and ein. What do these words mean? It's a mystery, and that's why so is mankind. <laughs> and, um, you know, when you read that, you're like, there's really something there. And um, I, that's, so these things kind of shaped me a lot as I was growing. And um, but, you know, the, 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 the little snapshot out there always, you know, it's, it's funny. We sometimes use words. We don't think a lot about them, don't think about what they mean. But, in fact, when we actually think and sometimes just reflect on the words we use, uh, it, it, sometimes we need to do that to actually get insight into what are we talking about. Now, our vision as a church, if you've been here, you'll know this. If you've been here the last about year and a half or so, uh, if you're brand new here, you, you won't have heard this. But this is our vision. We kind of, you know, we, we have one vision that is kind of carrying us into the next 10 years. And this is our vision. That over the next 10 years, we will become a center for renewal as we passionately pursue his presence. So we will become a center for renewal as we passionately pursue the presence of God. Now, this is what we want to see happen. We want to be a place for renewal. We want to be a center for it. So we want to experience a renewal that takes place in us, but starts with us, doesn't stop with us. That's the, the center part. We want to see it go outward. We want to see renewal that goes wider. And so the word I want to focus on today and, and that I just want us to unpack, I guess, as we come into this year is this word renewal. We're just going to reflect on this word renewal. From what I can see, it's made up of two words, re and newel. And <laughs> We could just figure, in fact, we can figure out what those words mean. Renewal, in its simplest form, is to be made new again. It's to be made new again. Not to be made something different, not, but to be made new again. You know, things that are new, you know the feeling when you have something New, you know, I mean, people always talk about like new car smell. There's something about it when it's new. When you've got, you know, new, uh, you, you know, a, a new pair of shoes and they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're all in good shape. Or you got a new, uh, you know, a new phone and it actually works and the battery lasts longer than an hour. You know, there's like that. There's that, there's just something, when something's new, it's always, it's like, man, this is kind of what this, whatever it was, is meant to be. But we know all things over time, they just kind of, you know, they, they, they get older and they, they deteriorate a little bit and there's, you know, the, there's a challenge there. Renewal is about saying, how do you become new again? 
And so if we're to be a center for renewal, if our church is going to be a place that lives in renewal, then our constant question and our constant vision challenge is to say, what was the church like when the church was new? What was the church like when the church was new? That's what we're going to talk about today. What it was like when the church was new. Because if we are going to live in renewal, we have to be, we have to be new again. Not something different, but new again. So this morning, for our, our, uh, as we think about this year ahead, uh, sometimes we think of vision. I'm looking forward. I'm looking outward. I'm looking at what's ahead. We're doing a little bit of the opposite. We're saying that our future actually begins in our past. And we're going to spend some time reflecting on what the church was like when the church was new. Because that's what we want to live in. That's what we want to experience. And to do this, we always go back to uh, Acts chapter 2. If you've been around church for a while, you know, this is the place we go to in the scriptures. When the church was new and with what it was like. And if, you, if you've never read these verses, this is kind of our snapshot and glimpse of what the church was like when it just was kind of hot off the presses, just came into being. This is what it was like. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 is telling us the story. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the beginning picture. And just, you know, the, the scriptures tell us way back in Genesis, the Spirit of God hovered over the kind of waters of creation, and then out of that created and formed the earth. What we get a picture of here is that the, get these believers, the first Followers of Jesus, they're all gathered together. They're in a room together. And then the spirit comes and it fills the house. And it looks like fire kind of resting on each one. And they're filled with the spirit. And, and, and people are beginning to speak in other languages. There was people actually gathered from all around the world. And they're all in one spot. And now they all begin to speak other languages. And everybody's hearing people talking in their own languages. It's an incredible scene. In fact, people are looking on and they're so amazed by what's happening. They can't make sense of it. They're like, what is going on here? And Peter, one of them, stands up and tries to explain. Here's what's happening. And he says this. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11. And he raised his voice. And he addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Let me tell you, here's what's going on. He says, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And one of my favorite lines in all scripture, like, guys, it's only nine o'clock. It was noon because they're all just like, they must be drunk. And Peter's like, it's nine, you know. And he's like, they're, they're, no, there's something else happening here. I, I feel like it could be also sort of a great, I don't know, name, phrase, tagline for some kind of prayer ministry. It's nine o'clock somewhere. I don't know. It'd just be, I, I don't know. I feel like there's something in that. I don't know. Somebody who's in our communication can work on that. I feel like there's something there. Um, he says, no, that's not what's going on. They are not drunk. This is inexplicable, and so I know you're searching for solutions, but here's what's happening. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, who said in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all my people. This is what was going on. The spirit of God is being poured out. You know, when the church was new, it was all about this pouring out of God's spirit. It, it, the, the church... It wasn't a bunch of people who got together to decide to start some new organization or some new club or some new anything. It was all about the Spirit of God being poured out on a group of people. 
And that in the spirit of God was what gave life to the church. It's what was the, the reason behind everything that was happening. Things that couldn't be explained any other way. It was what enabled them. I love it. It says enabled them, the spirit of God. The, to be the church, like when the church was new, is to, is, is, it's about living in the power of the spirit. Having it poured out on us, knowing that we don't just do things that, that seem like good ideas or good strategies or good, you know, principles or any, but we are actually a, a group of people and that, that where the, the life comes from one source, the energy comes from one source, the power comes from one source, that God's spirit has been poured out on his people. That's what the church is like when the church was new. You know, as the spirit's poured out, it comes on Peter and he stands up and he begins to uh, now speak to the people. He starts there kind of explaining, here's what's happening. I know you're trying to make sense of what's happening. This is what's happening. And he begins to walk them through kind of the Old Testament and God's unfolding plans and how all of it ultimately culminates in Jesus. And he says this, we, we skip ahead a few verses and he's kind of bringing his, the first message that was ever preached to a conclusion. And, and he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You know what happens when the church was new is that the spirits poured out on, on them and it always results in this, you know, kind of one pretty simple uh, core uh, activity and that is the proclaiming of Jesus. The spirit comes and Peter stands up and he's going to declare this is who Jesus is. He's Lord. He's Messiah. He's the one that it's all been working to. And he's the one in whom you can have forgiveness of sins and life in his name. You know what it means to be the, a, a church like the church when it was new is simply to be a place that is always lifting up the name of Jesus. And saying this is where life is found. This is where life is found. It's to tell the whole story of, of God's creation of the world and the, the fall that it's undergone and how the only answer and solution to all of it is Jesus. You know, we, we've got to, we have to be a people who will constantly stand up and tell the story of who Jesus is. The world is constantly sharing its stories of where life is to be found. You know, the world is, you know, there's, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this sign at um, Lakeside June. You've been to, to Lakeside at some point. There's, a, there's a, a shoe store. You go past it when you're on like the, the little, um, roller coaster of travelators, you know, and, um, and I always go by it, and I see it, and there's a sign, it's over a shoe store, and it says, shoes make me happy, I'm shallow, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> and that's the sign, and, and every time I see it, I just sort of look, and I'm like, it just makes me feel a little bit, you know, like, like you know what that sign is? It's the story we are constantly being told in our world. That there is stuff you can buy that will make you happy. And that story has progressed so far that it's now almost just kind of ironic and cool or fashionable just to say, yep, that's the way it is. 
I buy shoes. They make me happy. Whatever. Don't try to convince me otherwise. Now, I'm not saying, like, it's bad to buy shoes. I wear shoes most days when I have to, you know. Um, But there's a constant narrative and story that is always being thrust on us more times than we can even wrap our minds around, really. That somehow the stuff we buy is where life is found. It's never that explicit, but it's constant. Consumerism is probably the great religion of our day. And what we have to be able to do is to articulate constantly the story of who Jesus is and how life is only found in his name. We have to be able to say that in compelling ways. You know, one of the things I love about the name of our our church is True North is it makes a very easy talking point with anybody to talk about why we are called that and the story of how Jesus is the only one you can orientate your life around. And people, oh, it's True North, what's that? It's, it's so easy, just to, you know, and I have this conversation with, you know, some frequency with people. You know, it's just, we, we realize that there's only one fixed point. You know, only one real, one immovable thing in this world that you can orientate your life around, and it's Jesus. And that when you actually shift from going, I'm going to do my own thing, to going, no, Jesus is True North, and I'm now aligning myself to him and going in a new direction, that's where life is found. We have to be a people who constantly are helping people see, yeah, there's all these other things. We can line our lives. There's only one place you will truly find life, and it's in Jesus Christ. He's crucified and who rose again. And we believe in him. We have life in his name. Oh, we got to tell that story. It's what it means to be a church like when the church was new. And we see there's this incredible kind of outcome. You know, the Spirit's poured out. Jesus is being proclaimed. And what happens uh, next we see that is, is the genesis. It's the beginning of the church. And it tells us, it paints a little snapshot like this in Acts 2, 42. It says, so this community, this group of people, they start to, to, to deeply associate with one another. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Just looking on like, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love this snapshot, and for some of you like me, it's so familiar. If you've been around church for a while, you'll know these verses. If you've never been around church, this is where it all began. And somehow we have to always get back to them and remind ourselves, this is what the church was like when it was new. This is what the church was like when it was new. These people gathering. You know what? I, I, the, the, out of the outpouring of the Spirit, the proclaiming of Jesus, there was the formation of a revolutionary fellowship. Now, I didn't choose those words just to try and find big enough words that hopefully could kind of shock and awe you and go, I, I don't know what that means, but Dean, I, it sounds important, so that's good. You know, we often just think about, you know, this is how the church formed. Can I tell you, sometimes our pictures, our snapshots of what a church is, they're just way too small. 
You know, we talk, maybe we want to say, hey, this was the community of faith coming. I, I get that, and it's true. It is the church. It is a community of faith. But we just have to understand that this was so much more. This was the creation, the formation of a revolutionary fellowship. A group of people deeply associated and committed to one another that would literally turn the world upside down over the next just 50, 100 years. This is the kind of community that was created. When I was a kid at the church I went to, we had a, a particular room uh, in the building, and it was called the Fellowship Hall. I don't know if that happened, you know, here in Australia in the 80s, but that's the way it was. And, uh, and now, I, I was a kid. I didn't know a lot about it, but what I knew about that, and I didn't know the word fellowship. I mean, that was a word. You didn't hear that a lot. They didn't, you know, they never used the word fellowship on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They, you know, it wasn't a word I was familiar with. So you go to this room, and, uh, and always in there, uh, the things that I knew about that room, I don't know what Fellowship Hall is, um, but I know this, there's, there's always two things in there. One was red punch. <laughs> now, some of you, this is, again, this is like the 80s. No one knew that we had to be afraid of red punch, you know, <laughs> kind of read everything back then. And some of you are going like, okay, this explains a lot. And, um, and there was always red punch, and, and there was always cookies, you know, there was always cookies in there. And some of you are like, okay, and that explains the other half. And um, so after the church service, you would go to the fellowship hall, and you'd have some red punch, and you'd have some cookies. And that was fellowship. You know what I'm saying? It was like, and I, I never really questioned. I'm like, I don't know, fellowship, probably, maybe that's the brand of punch, beats me. And, um, but I remember as well, then later, uh, as I was still growing up, I, I, I got into the, you know, how many people know Lord of the Rings, the, either the books or the movies, the Fellowship of the Ring. The first one's called the Fellowship of the Ring. And I remember experiencing some degree of dissonance of, like, Lord of the Rings and, like, the Fellowship of the Ring. Like, I'm not really sure how cookies and red punch are going to defeat Sauron. But, um, you know, he seems a bit tough for that. But, um, you know, the whole book, I was like, why is it even called that? I, just, I don't even understand. Like, what must this word mean? And so eventually I found out, you know, a fellowship, it's just, it's a group of people who come together. And often, like it is in the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, it was, it was a group of people who came together around this common purpose of, you know, destroying this ring. And some of you are like, no, Dean, technically it was hobbits and dwarves and elves. But um, and there were people um, in that fellowship. And here's the thing, the, the fellowship that is created in the church is about so much more than just hey, we have a, a little punch and some cookies together. The, the, the fellowship that was created when the church was new, this was revolutionary, the way this group of people was coming together. It was destroying cultural and socioeconomic boundaries left, right, and center. In a world defined by those things, this became a place where everyone held everything in common and the rich looked after the poor and the poor were just as important as the rich. And people who spoke other languages, they all came together in this one fellowship. That's what the church was like when the church was new. And that's how the church is called to be today as well. That as the spirit is poured out, as Jesus is proclaimed, a revolutionary fellowship is created that is capable of turning the world on its head. A force for justice, for love, for beauty, for creativity like the world has never seen. That's what the church was like when the church was new. And you can't even begin to make sense of the last 2,000 years of Western history without seeing the impact of what began that day in that room. So revolutionary was that fellowship. That's what the church was like when it was new. 
That's what we're called to be today. A church that lives in renewal. You know, the other, um, I think it was maybe even just last week, we had some work done on our car. Uh, we have a, a white Camry, because I'm just wild like that. And um, <laughs> hey, what do you think is the most boring car possible? I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> we have this white Camry. We got it in 2011. When we got it, it was the newest car I'd ever had. It wasn't brand new, but it was only like two years old. I think it was a 2009 uh, white Camry. And so we got it. It's an amazing story, even how we ended up with this car. Real God thing, but I'll, I'll save that for a different day. But the thing about this car, like I said, it was just the newest car I'd ever had. And I was like, wow, this thing looks brand new. So we drove it and drove it. And you know what? That was now six, seven years ago. And you know how it is. You got something that's new, but along the way, it gets some dings. It gets some scratches. You know, you, you, it, it bumps some things. Some things bump it. <laughs> there was the Pokemon Go incident. There was the few things. Anyway, no one's keeping score. And, um, but so it's bumps. It's got some bumps. It's got some dings. But then uh, uh, one of the corners that already ha- had a ding, it, it, um, it got hit by someone else in a parking lot. And those things hadn't felt that important to be fixed before, but now they felt like they were worthy of being fixed. And I'm um, no, just kidding, just kidding. But he, and so it got hit, and now it's all scratched up, and, you know, just even more, and it's got a ding. And so, you know, talk, okay, we'll get this fixed and resolved. And so we took it in, and, and the guy was like, you know what, while I was working on it, there was some other stuff, so I just took care of that as well. And he's like, have a look, see what you think. And I go out, and I look at that fender, and I was like, it looks brand new. I was looking, I was like, I can't believe this. That looks brand new. Don't look at the rest of the car, but you look at that one fender. <laughs> it's that one bumper. It's brand new. And, and, and here's the thing. All of us, we set out at some point to follow Christ. Uh, you may be just setting out right now on that journey. Uh, we set out together as a church on a journey to follow Christ. Say, Lord, we'll go wherever you lead us. And we all, we all set out and we get going. And, and, and there's a point at which it was new. And then there's the normal. You know what happens in life is you get some nicks and you get some bumps. Sometimes you bump into other people. Sometimes other people bump into you. Sometimes things happen that are your fault. Sometimes it was someone else's. But nicks and dings. And after a little while, it's kind of like, man, it just doesn't feel... It's, it, it doesn't feel new. And here's the amazing thing is that we are actually called and given an opportunity to live in renewal. That actually, when we remind ourselves, when we begin to look at God's word and we begin to say, you know what, what was it like when the church was new? We are called to always go back to that place. And say, how do we live in that? How do we live in the outpouring of God's spirit on a continual basis? How do we be a, a people who are constantly telling the story of who Jesus is and proclaiming him? How do we be committed to this revolutionary fellowship that God created the church to be? That's what it is to live in renewal. It's to live in that place. Do you know, uh, the, the, I, I guess the... The word I'd want to share and give to us as we start out on a, on a fresh new year is that we are, we are called to live in renewal. You know, that car, uh, 
it wasn't going to just start to look new by accident. It wasn't going to happen on its own. I wasn't going to walk out of the house one day and be like, looks a little bit better today. Looks good. It's great. You know, a week later, look at that. That is really coming back. <laughs> Somebody else hit it. Oh, you got it just right. It's getting there. It took a concerted effort, distinct choices. It took someone applying effort to what had been done to go back to being just like new. We are invited to be a people who put in the effort, who begin to take the steps, who begin to create a, a rhythm and a, 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 a rule of life that takes us into a space of renewal. Do you know this early church, what they, it says they devoted themselves to some things. It says they devoted themselves. You know devoted is a strong word. And again, if you're like me, you may have read these verses last times. So you read right through it. Yeah, they devote themselves. Apostles teaching through the word of God, the breaking of bread, prayer. Yep, I know that. They devoted themselves. Do you know what the word devoted means? I've got it on a, a, a screen here for you. It means to do something with intense effort. With the possible implication of that effort having to come despite difficulty that comes against it. You know what we're told? They devoted themselves to the word of God, the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to prayer. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship, the breaking of bread. You know, what, what would it look like to devote ourselves to those things? I think sometimes it's real easy to be like, yeah, the word of God, I want some of that. And if I can um, make sure I fit that into my day or if, as long as I, I kind of grab a little bit and, and if things don't kind of get in the way of that, yeah, I want that. That's devotion is like, this will require intense effort. And sometimes will be difficult. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to prayer, to conversing with God, to knowing it's the spirit of God that is our source of life and energy and power. And his filling is what makes all things possible for us to be made new again. And so we got to devote ourselves to prayer and to staying in the flow of God's spirit into our lives. And that requires sometimes intense effort, sometimes difficult. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship. It says they devoted themselves to the fellowship comma, the breaking of bread, this community that was created around the body of Christ. Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll, you know, it tells they, they met every day in the temple courts. They met every day in homes for prayer, for breaking and bread. You get the sense they weren't like, yeah, I'll be there as long as something better doesn't come up. <laughs> no, they devoted themselves to those things. They said, this matters. This is important. I'm going to put some intense effort into it. Now, the reason I love this snapshot is because this is what it was like when the church was new. Now, one of the things, you don't have to read far in the New Testament to realize that we get, we get given this one little glimpse of what it was like right, fresh, hot out the gates. By the time you get into letters to the Corinthian church, the church is full of, like, problems from every direction. You go to Galatians, they're battling legalism. You go to Colossians, they're losing their grip on who Christ is. There's all the constant battle. It's always a battle. It's been a battle since the beginning. But this takes us back to what it was like when it was new. And we get given, and you, sometimes you read those verses, you think that just seems too good, too perfect. It's because it's right back in the beginning. It's when it was new. And the challenge with everything is that it progresses towards, there's bumps, there's dings, there's challenges, there's stuff that happens. And the call of renewal is to say, let's go back to when it was new. How do we live in that space? I want to encourage you with a couple things. This, 
you know, maybe this year that will help you live in that space of renewal. One is, you know what? What would it look like to, to say, I, I want to live in that space where I'm, I want to be devoted to, the, to the God's word. I want to be devoted to prayer this year. I want to be devoted to the fellowship. You know, the, and, and you may not even know exactly what that will look like. Okay, so exactly how's that? Can I, but can I tell you, it always starts with the hunger to say, I know I want that. I know I want that. Maybe today is a day to say, I want that. I want to be devoted to those things so I can live in renewal. One of the other pieces I'll suggest to you that one of the things we're starting this year with is a renewal weekend. This is going to be uh, about a month from now, first weekend of March. And it's just about saying, you know what, setting aside a weekend, Friday night, all day Saturday. It'll flow into our services on Sunday as a time to just set aside and say, God, I just want to I sit under the outpouring of your spirit. I want to create the space. I want to create the time. I want to learn what it looks like to live in renewal on a daily basis in my life so that I can live in that space. Because as we live in that space, we become a church who lives in that space, and we get to experience more of the renewal God desires for us as individuals and together as a, as a revolutionary fellowship in this world. And so I encourage you maybe to consider, maybe that's for you. It may not be for everybody. I can tell you that is going to be a weekend where we are going to come together and just create room for the Spirit of God to do what he wants to do in our lives. And I'm looking greatly forward to that, and, and I hope you consider coming. We'll have Martin Sanders will, will be there. You'll be hearing from him in uh, a few weeks to come, and myself, and we'll probably have some other guests along as well. It's going to be a great couple of days. Renewal. You know, my, I, I think, you know, every year... I know it's easy to go vision, where are we going, what's ahead. I think what God wants to remind us of this year is that let's remember what the church was like when she was new. And let's be a people who try to live in that space, in that space. Why don't you stand where you are, and I want to pray for us as we, I guess, begin a fresh year. And maybe today there's a part of you that's going, you know what, I, I want to I live in that. I want to personally live in that. I want to, I read these stories and I look in the book of Acts and I think I want to live in that space like when it was new. I want to pray that God begin that work in a, in a fresh way. This is not about, you know, like, oh, I did that once or I, I renewal is about constantly being made new again. I'm going to pray as well just that God would begin to, to just release that, that, that fresh feelings and enabling of his spirit in our midst. So that we can be the church he calls us to be. Would you bow with me? Maybe just, if you want to be a part of this prayer, if you want to just begin to allow God to do some of that work in your own life, why don't you just hold your hands out in front of you. It's just a way of saying, God, I, I want this. I'm open to receiving this. The scriptures talk about the outpouring. It's a way of saying, God, I, I believe in that you will pour out your spirit on me. And I want to open my hands to you and what you want to pour into my life. Just take a moment maybe and just stand in the quiet of your own heart. Have a moment of prayer with him. Maybe there's something he wants to say or whisper to you or something that you want to say to him. Lord, today we think about what it was like when the church was new. 
And we ask that you begin a fresh work of pouring your spirit out over us and onto us and into us. Filling us with the same power that was within, at work within those new believers. Lord, pray that it would begin a work of some restoring and taking care of some of the bumps and scratches and dings. And that, Lord, whatever work you want to do within each person here this year, that, God, it would be beginning even today. Lord, we pray as a church that you would pour your spirit out on us. Enable us to be the church you call us to be. We can't do it on our own. It's only in the power of your spirit. Pray that, Lord, we would always be a place that lifts up and proclaims the name of Jesus. Name above every name. King of all kings. Lord of all lords. And we pray that in his name you would give us vision as a as a revolutionary fellowship gathered around his name. Love for Jesus and love for one another in such a way that leads to praise of you that sees others added daily to this revolutionary fellowship. And so Lord, we just stand with open hands saying, Jesus, you are the head. It's your church. We are your people. Pour out your spirit on us and into us. Give us a vision for what the church was like when it was new. May we live in renewal. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody agreed, said, amen, amen.